Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Yappin' With Us. We told you all that the episodes on Cassandra Clare's books aren't over yet until we present to you the new extension of the Shadowhunter Chronicles, our review on the Infernal Devices. Of course, we will be starting with the first installment, Clockwork Angel. So this book is essentially in the same shadow world that we know and love, but it's set in, set in 19th century London at the London Institute. The gang now consists of swoon-worthy Will Herondale, his parabatai Jem Carstairs, and the new addition to their blended family living at the Institute, Tessa Gray. Tessa is something nobody has seen before. She came from America seeking a better life after her aunt died to the shores of London. Her only family member, her brother Nate, spoke of nothing but good fortunes in his new land, but when Tessa arrived, she was kidnapped and forced to hone an ability she never even knew she had, shapeshifting. She's gallantly rescued by the shadow-hunting inhabitants of the London Institute and becomes swept up in the shadow world and the people in it. Throughout the book, Tessa learns more about herself, her parentage, and her future, and not all of it is good news. There are people out there, namely a mysterious man named the Magister, who will stop at nothing until she is in his clutches so he can enact his nefarious plans. Again with the nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> I also, put that there just for you. Magister? What? I say magister, but that's probably because it's like, mag I don't know, magician? Magister? I guess you're right then. Ew, I, I don't know. know. I that, honestly, that was the first time I said it out loud. Normally, I just read it in my head. So I just I did what felt right. <laughs> okay, so first, we're going to start off with a little segment called things I did after reading this book. And this is because um, I, we both read the books pretty young. And we're impressionable. <laughs> Very so, when I was younger and I read the line where Sophie tells Tessa to pinch her cheeks to give it color, I just started doing that for whatever reason. My cheeks don't really need color, but it just made my skin look red and splotchy and did not do anything. I mean, to each their own. My skin doesn't even get red, so pinching my cheeks would only cause me pain. But that did not stop me from manhandling my cheeks myself, which, you know, is, is stupid. The things 15-year-old Avika did, not not the smartest cookie in the box, I will say. Oh my god, Simran is literally sitting there pinching her cheeks right now. I you just it. said it made your skin splotchy. Why do you think this is a good idea? It's oh my god. Blessing. So you can anyway. do Tessa? <laughs> <laughs> when, um, the second thing is when Will and Jesse were talking about how blue doesn't match with everything, or yeah, sorry, blue doesn't match with red. Jesse's like, blue matches everything and he's like no it doesn't go with red after reading that in the sixth grade I never wore blue and red again like that's not totally true but I actively avoided it and whenever I saw someone wearing it I was like yikes yeah honestly I did the exact same thing I never thought blue went with orange or red and when Jessamine said blue goes with everything I was genuinely confused but Obviously, that was from the mind of a fickle, fickle child who would do anything Will Herondale said. So now I say, wear whatever flubs your boobs, even if it's orange and neon yellow. If you like it, flaunt it. Okay. <laughs> I won't do that, but okay. <laughs> I think that the only exception to the red and blue thing is blue jeans. Because, like, I think you can wear blue jeans with any colored top. Unless it was the exact same shade of blue as your pants, but even then you could kind of get away with it. 
but it still made me uncomfortable and I wouldn't do it and it's because Will would think I was ugly and I don't want that the things that we did for Will honestly literally another thing I did for Will is that after reading this book I was really intrigued by all of the books mentioned like all the classics I genuinely wanted to read the tale of two cities because I wanted to be the type of girl Will would fall in love with <laughs> like it used to make me sick to my stomach that Will wasn't real and he wasn't my boyfriend like I used to cry about it genuinely I'm not even kidding sick to your stomach yes yes <laughs> Okay, same. Um, <laughs> glad we're on the same page about this. And it's not like there was no one like him. The people in high school were just not Will. They weren't as mysterious. They weren't as handsome. They didn't do it for me like Will did. No one read also. <laughs> yeah, literally. But uh, all of the characters, most, but I mean mostly Will and Tessa, seem to recognize books from random obscure quotes. Like they can name the author, the name of the book, and even the verse. And when I first read this, I thought that was normal. But throughout my life, I've tried to like memorize memorable passages. I just can't do it. It's so unrelatable. If you said to me a random quote from like one of my favorite books, I would not know that it was from there. The only passage I know is like the ending of Great Gatsby, but that's only because I watched the end scene from the movie so many times, not because I remembered it when I read the book. So, yeah. yeah like, the only scene I remember are like movies, like the battle on Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith. I can I can tell you the whole scene. Worth Stop. It. <laughs> um, anyways, um, well. We've already discussed a little bit about him, but like I just forgot how much I loved him because I hadn't reread the books in a while, I guess. And like when Tessa and Will kiss and they're like fully making out and then he just pushes her away, I just, I died a little bit inside. Because it wasn't you? Well, yeah, and because he was kind of being rude. He was like, yeah. I can't do this, you need to go. And I was like, what honestly that would be that would be enough for me like the way I would sell both of my kidneys to have William Herondale push me down a flight of stairs like Tessa (laughs) does not know how good she has it and oh my god like so that scene was bad enough as it it is but Will being a total asshole at the end just freaking killed me yeah it was again when I was younger I thought that was him being like angsty And, like, I was always such a massive Team Will gal, like, to the point where I hated Jem simply because he was getting in the way between, like, Will and Tessa's friendship, and I wanted Will to be happy, obviously. But now, as a 20-year-old, I can't, I can't condone Will's actions. At the end, he propositioned Tessa for sex and all but called her the ideal partner because she cannot have kids and so he can't accidentally knock her up. He literally just said, you are the perfect whore for me because I can't get you pregnant that was really really bad the thing is like I read that and I wonder like how was I standing Will so hard even yeah. after reading that I was just like no he he didn't mean it though like this is us perpetuating our our like trope on liking toxic men like I didn't want to admit this but it's true Will is toxic that was really like it's just Sometimes I think about it and it's just so bad what he said. It not even is that. so bad. And that's not worst, even the only bad thing though. The worst part is, okay, I'm going to say this quickly, but <laughs> I, there was this girl in 
that I was friends with in grade six. And she came up to me after reading Clockwork Angel. She was like, yeah, I'm team Gem. And I literally like, I was like, don't talk to me ever again. <laughs> I haven't spoken to her probably since grade eight. <laughs> because she's team Gem. Yeah. Cause we went to different high schools actually, but Stephanie, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it now. As if she would listen to this, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I I was very team Will, but I guess now I'm more I'm more neutral, leaning towards Team Gem. One thing I really liked about Will is that like the things he said were genuinely funny. He made me cackle, unlike Jace. Don't Gross. even get me started about Jace again. <laughs> He just used sarcasm for everything, but it wasn't like, there was nothing else to it. He wasn't witty like Will is. Will is like, he's got comebacks, you know? He's got personality. He's got, he's got it. But Jace has trash. He has trash in his brain. I agree. But, you know, one thing about Will that made me really sad is the fact that he just forgot about Thomas. That was, like, that made me sad to think about because obviously Thomas didn't hold a grudge against Will at all, but it's just, like, you know, it's sad. That upset me greatly. Like, I, also, when Thomas died, Hmm. I was like, oh no, as if I haven't read this multiple times before. (laughs) I was so confused. I don't know why I thought he didn't die. Dude, like, it, that, like, Thomas's death, and straight up when he, when Will was, trying to give him the parting and farewell of a shadow hunter and like one of the last things he said was like I'm not a shadow hunter I was like oh my gosh Thomas like you have devoted your whole life to shadow hunters you've died in their service you've done so much I I love him I'm so sad that he died okay but moving on to something all of (laughs) that I feel like when I first read this like the book yeah, this. Yeah. The book that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. I didn't register how traumatic it was for Tessa to just be like kidnapped by the Dark Sisters and then being told that if she doesn't listen, they'll kill her brother. And then also, I guess they were just abusing her too. And then they're like, oh yeah, and then you have to marry some random old dude, which gave me major Count Olaf vibes. Yeah, I literally I had the exact same thoughts reading this. I never appreciated how strong a character Tessa is. Like what with overcoming losing her only mother figure, losing her brother, being kidnapped, being tortured, you know, being forced to stay in London. And then on top of that, having her brother betray her and then like murder some of the people who have shown her kindness. Like that's a lot. Like young me was like, hmm, she's quirky. She's been, she's been through it. And I was like, oh gosh like she like the poor thing yeah like when I was reading it it was just like oh my god Will (laughs) he came and saved her that's so cute Hella's cold the amount of times where someone brings up hell and I'm just like yeah hell is cold (laughs) it's from Dante the inferno the ninth circle of hell is cold Uh, have I read the inferno no well I don't need to I know how it's cold. Tessa did to Will. Yes. I will. Also, quick question. Why did they keep calling the Dark Sisters the Dark Sisters after one of them is dead? Like then it's just Dark Sister. I mean, it's just it's just good advertising. You know, like we call all napkins Kleenexes, but they're not. They're just napkins. Same thing. Good advertising. 
<laughs> but I think they should have been named something different because, okay, their names are Mrs. Dark and Mrs. Black, but the moniker is the Dark Sisters. So having the moniker strictly named after Mrs. Dark seems rude to Mrs. Black and I would have done something else. Okay, yeah. So I thought about that a lot because Mrs. implies that they're married. So then mm-hmm. if they're sisters, are they like sister-in-laws where Mrs. Dark married Mr. Dark and then Mrs. Black is like her sister-in-law who got married to like a Mr. Black? Like I thought about this at length. Are they are they s- sisters? Are they actually sisters or are they just like, oh my God, I love you so much. You're my sister type of sister. <laughs> I feel like it's never explicitly said. I would think they were actual sisters, which debunks my whole sister-in-law thing. Because but, then one of them would have to be Mrs. Dark, and one of them would have to be... Which means that both Dark and Black are their married names, because it's the 1800s, and they would have taken on someone else's name. Okay, but what is the the probability of a warlock, like, like, like a, a demon and a human producing an offspring twice you know like mostly warlocks are the result of a coupling of between you know demon and human and like that's it like there's just one kid like what is the Mm, one thing and two babies okay we're we're really pondering this much okay wait one more thing thing. (laughs) but same demon dad and different that could be a possibility that absolutely could be a possibility Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot to con- there's a lot to think about with mrs dark and mrs black i think they were glossed over and i would have loved to learn more about them they intrigue me they really do yeah okay now moving on to things that we didn't like because we always have that jessamine or jessamine i don't know i've always said jessamine. i'm just gonna call her jesse you know what just okay <laughs> because i don't know how to pronounce it yeah so dumb like, she thinks Will is talking to her through the door of the sanctuary towards the end of the book, but, like, Big Brain Tessa is like, do not open it. And she opens the door anyways. And guess what? It's freaking Mortmain. Mortmain? Mortmain? Mortmain. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, you're you're shocked. You've just watched people die, and then you're in this big-ass sanctuary, and then you hear the voice of a familiar friend, like, knocking on the door, saying, like, hey, I'm here. Like, open up. I would open the door, too. No cap. I don't know if I'd call them friends, but I don't okay, know. Acquaintance. This is why she's not a shadow hunter. <laughs> Tea. Yeah. She literally just randomly opened the door and Tessa had more brain cells than her. And she's been in this world for like three days. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I also feel bad that Jasmine was kind of like forced into this life, even though like she didn't want to be and it wasn't for her. Like I get like her parents left it and she was never in it. So she hates it. But at the same time, she's just rude to everyone all the time, which cancels out all my sympathy for her. Yeah. You know, one thing like I just thought of this, but like, you know, if she really wanted to be a lady, all she would have had to do is just wait out the 18 years at the Institute and just been like, bye. Like, bye. You yeah. don't have to be rude. You don't have to be snarky. And also, here's just my thing. I just finished watching Bridgerton. So this is my two cents. <laughs> I said, if, if Jessamine is such a lady, why is she so snarky and rude to Henry, to Will, to Tessa even like weren't ladies of that time bred to be docile and never raise your voice especially to a guest which Tessa is let alone like the man of the house which Henry is right like 
I mean, of course, now that's acceptable and you can snark at whoever you want. In fact, I, I endorse snarking, but like who she wants, but it, during that time, like in, in 1878, being that snarky and being a lady, is literally unheard of. Yeah, I don't, like, the only reason I get it is because she hates Shadowhunters so much. She doesn't really consider them to be proper society. So why would she have to be nice to these men when they're not even, like, in her mind, like, eligible men? Like, why would she waste her time on that? And also, I feel like she's very, very much still a child. Yeah. The way she yeah. She has not developed it. Even like her pursuing the maidenly arts or trying to be a lady or like, the lady doesn't read this filth, doesn't read the paper. She only reads the society pages. Like she's just, ugh. you're not a lady, Jessamine. You are a bum, period. <laughs> but you know who's not a bum and who's an absolute queen? Charlotte. That lady deserves an award. She is slept on. She's slept on in this book. She is like, literally like, yes. She didn't do a very good job at, at handling Mortmain, but that's because Mortmain is very smart. It's not for lack of trying on Charlotte's part. I love her. I, uh, she's amazing. And I love that in the next two books, you'll see a lot more of her. Mm-hmm. And you know how you're saying Henry was like the man of the house, but it's actually Charlotte. Yeah, it's literally, <laughs> Yeah, I, everybody knows that it's Charlotte, but then, you know, obviously Benedict and the consul is like, where's the man of the house? Like, just accept that it's Charlotte and let Henry do his thing in the basement. Oh my God. But yeah, uh, okay. I hate to bring the shit train to Tessa. This is like one thing Simran and I like argue about. Normally we agree on everything, but we don't agree on this, but I don't think she was raised very well. Okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about me for a second. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Simran is bad. No, Tessa is bad. Firstly, the way that she treated brother Enoch when he was just trying to help Nate. Like, I get that he's ugly and he looks a little jarring, but you don't have to treat him like an abomination. Mm. Okay, so that's fair. But like, imagine your sister, I'm saying your sister because you have a sister in the situation it's her brother, Mm. is captured for so long and all you want to do is save her. And then some creepy dude pulls up after you get your sister back. And so like, I see how it's not okay for her to be rude to brother Enoch. But at the same time, this is like a high stress situation. And she doesn't want anything to happen to her brother. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It's, I guess I wouldn't understand what it's like it's like those parents who just act super crazily when their children are involved in something potentially dangerous or when they don't know what's happening just because they're scared for their child but they don't actually act like that I don't know yeah I mean like just knowing me as a person like in that sort of high stress situation if I knew like like at this point she trusts Charlotte like a little bit more I'm I'm guessing because it's kind of like into the book right so like if someone that I somewhat trusted said like oh this guy is a medic like you should trust him like regardless of what he looked like I would just like okay straight up do what you got to do because I can't help him at this point and I want my brother to live or my sister to live yeah I would let him do that she's but that's just me also pretty new to the world like if this dude pulls up and his eyes and mouth are like sewn shut and he starts approaching you I ain't gotta scream I mean, for me, it wouldn't be like the way that he looks, but like the way that he whispers in the mind. Yeah. That is so creepy. I actually, yeah, I'll give it to her. That's pretty creepy. But you know, Tessa was also really rude to Charlotte. 
like Summer and I argued about this prior to recording, but like Summer did make a good point. And like, I guess she didn't really know Charlotte, but here's, here's my point of view. Charlotte is the only thing standing between her and homelessness. And then Tessa is getting all angry about Charlotte offering charity. Like, please, Tessa, accept the charity. Okay, so the last time someone offered her charity, she was tortured for, like, what, months on end. (laughs) So I'm not surprised her being hesitant. And I know that this was in a pre-recording conversation that Avigo's mentioning that it's, like, a pride thing, too. But that's, like, kind of fair just given the time period. Yeah, you know, you make make an absolutely valid point. I guess I would not know how to react after being tortured for weeks on end. And hopefully I, like, honestly, Tessa's doing, like, the worst things that she did is just yell at people. At yeah. least she didn't become a mass murderer. Like, she's definitely doing much better than a lot of other people who Homing. go through, yeah, who go through it. One thing, though, that I I just, I don't know why she did it, is uh, when she started screaming as soon as she saw Nate, like, manacled to the, the chair in De Quincey's lair, Surely, if you wanted to save the human manacled to the chair, she would continue with the plan made to save the manacled human she was part of in the first place. Like, why would she start screaming? The whole plan was to save the human, and her screaming just jeopardized the whole plan. Okay, so here's here's my thing about that. Yes, she jeopardized it, and no, that wasn't the best thing to do, but you have to think about it that she is a normal person going into this situation, and she has not had shadow hunter training and she is like not used to this and she was not expecting to see her brother. She like, I don't know what you would do in that like situation because was it smart? No, but would I act differently? I can't say that I would because I don't have any shadow hunter training. I'm not used to seeing that intense situations happening. Fair, again, good point. I just, um, I don't know. I, I just think she should have, she should have been quiet. Also, there's the fact that Camille, Camille, infiltrated her body to shoot the shotgun. So Tessa knew how to, sh- like, you know, shoot the shotgun. I would have hoped Camille just been like, shh, Tessa, be quiet. Don't scream. Don't scream. Shh. But she didn't. So that was also a disappointment on Camille's okay, part. But she didn't, like, her, like, Camille didn't know Nate. It's not like when she saw Nate through her eyes and through Camille's eyes that Camille's like, oh shit, yeah, that's her brother. Let's not scream because she doesn't know who that is. That's very true. That's very true. Okay. But like, yeah, I guess she started screaming as soon as the curtains went up. Like, you know, okay, okay. I see that. I don't, I don't blame Camille or anything. Moving on from our agree to disagree opinions on Tessa, we got our favorite portion, the maintenance issues. So obviously this is still a Cassandra Clare book. So there are going to be some maintenance issues. Um, and apparently a lot of readers had issues with Claire's misrepresentation of Chinese culture when used, like when she was describing Jem and his experiences in Shanghai. So the biggest thing I saw is that the demon who killed Jem's parents was named Yan Luo. I'm so sorry if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but I just, you know, Yan Luo. <laughs> but in uh, Chinese mythology, Yan Luo is the name of an underworld deity or, um, you know, a knight of some sort and is not associated with demons at all. So that was some poor research skills on Cassandra Clare's part. 
I don't understand why it seems so hard for authors to research. Like, obviously, I'm not an author, so it's hard for me to just say, like, oh, yeah, they're not doing their jobs properly. But at the same time, it just seems like this is a pretty obvious mistake and easy to avoid. Agreed. I honestly, like, I don't, I don't forgive these types of mistakes because it's so easy just not to make them. I don't want to be rude or anything, but when you're going to name someone something, or if you're going to talk about a culture that you're unfamiliar with, do your research. Yeah. There are so many people who are going to catch you on that. Like, you think you're going to get away with that? No. And also, this is like a real quick ad. Um, There aren't really any people of color in Cassandra Clare's books. Well, like not, there's not a full representation of everyone. She has a lot of like mixed ethnicity people, but they're always half white. Yeah. Or half Mm -hmm. and then half another ethnicity. But we haven't seen like just like like, straight Indian or straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just something that bugs me a bit throughout the series, but like it kind of gets better. I don't know. Very, very slight. Like based on the amount of characters that she has in her books, diversity is not there. Like, yeah, she has a lot of like LGBTQ representation, especially in the Mortal Instruments. And I get why there isn't that much in the Infernal Devices, because again, it was set in 1960 or 1978. Um, 18. 18. Yeah. 1878. But yeah, seriously lacking. But you know, I would still give this book an A+. <laughs> um, I've read the series too many times to be sane. And every single reread, it hits me like the first time I've ever read it. Like it kind of feels to me like when I come home from university and I can see the driveway to my house and it's like really familiar and comforting, that's what reading the Infernal Devices feel to me. Like it's hilarious, it's lovable characters and there's an actual plot unlike with a lot of the Mortal Instruments books. <laughs> so already a bonus. So I would also give this an A plus and maybe the reason why it's so high is like the nostalgia and the fact mm-hmm. that I am also in love with Will. And after rereading the Mortal Instruments last year, it was honestly really disappointing because I had loved the book so much when I was younger, but they didn't really stand the test of time. And I was worried that that would happen with the Infernal Devices. Cause like I've reread the book a couple of times, but when I reread them, it was all around the time when I had originally read them. Um, but luckily I was wrong and they were amazing. And I loved them just as much now as I did in grade six. <laughs> Thing. So that's all we have for everyone today. Make sure to follow at Yappin' With Us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The question we will be leaving y'all off with is, if you could be anything from the shadow world, what would you be? Thanks for listening, and we will meet you in another book world.